perfect pitch. She actually said, I have what I call near-perfect pitch. The only reason I say near-perfect pitch is because I don't want to sound arrogant. Um, so she was an excellent musician, and her whole life was about music. And at age 18, uh, she was having some surgeries on her leg and uh, developed an autoimmune response, and she ended up going deaf at age 18. That was a, that was a lack of peace in her world right then. Or, or uh, I also got to meet her dad, right? And so in meeting uh, Mandy's dad, I got to meet a, a father of four who watched his daughter at the place of, of, you know, at 18 years old, she's really identified her career path. She's making strides in her education to, to get set up for what her future is going to be. And to see a dad watch someone he loved lose all of the stability or seemingly all the stability that she had around her. And so that's another aspect of a lack of peace is when we love someone and then we love them through seasons where they are incredibly disappointed. Or another aspect of, of brokenness in our world is when you're unable to fulfill your obligations. You thought you would be able to do something. You thought you would be able to accomplish something, but you find out that for whatever reason, you, you're unable to. I have a friend who is, um, just brought a little foster child, a little girl into their home because someone, for some reason, was not able to provide the stability that that little girl needed. Sometimes our lack of peace comes from the, the experience of God leading you into something and you follow his voice and you feel called and you step into it and then all of a sudden it's not working out the way that you thought it would. All of a sudden what you thought would be like out of obedience, so if I obey God then I'm gonna enjoy the blessing of God and life is gonna be good, right? And so you step into something and and you find that it's not working out as you had anticipated that it, that it would. And I, I ran into a friend this week, and that's exactly what was happening for them. They sensed God leading them in a certain direction. They followed, and when I met them, they were crying because of the pain of what they were walking through when they thought they were following God's leadership. So we live in a world that that is broken, and we feel the need deeply. We feel the need for peace. And, and I'm not saying every aspect of your life is characterized by strife or a lack of peace. Maybe for some of you, it feels that way right now. But I do know that as a culture, we, we feel it. And as a church body, we feel the need we feel the need for peace, and somewhere deep down inside of us, we long for it. We long for peace, that God would bring us peace, and peace is a condition or a sense of, of harmony or well-being. It is a deep communion. I mean, think about that in, a, in relational terms, when there's relational struggle, and then the peace that comes when there's when there's communion, when there's, when there's shared relationship, when you feel safe in that, right? There's a, there's a deep level of, of intimacy. 
The biblical concept of peace is not simply the absence of hostility, the absence of war. In the New Testament, the, the Greek word is irene, and it's, a psych, or it's more than just a psychological state of mind. Uh, the Old Testament gives us a very good picture of peace through the word shalom. And again, it's not just the, the absence of strife, but it describes peace in positive terms as a time, a place, and a condition that features love, righteousness, calmness, political and moral uprightness. That's God's concept of, of peace, where you would have, where you would be whole, where you would be entire, and that would be true in every aspect of your humanity. In the Old Testament, shalom uh, is described as completeness, the, the, the totality, like all pieces coming together. It's described as being safe or safeness, so it's completeness, it's safeness, it's salvation, it's being free from danger. Shalom or peace is also uh, physical, it is our health. It is a state where you lack disease, where you lack illness. You are whole. It is a state of uh, satisfaction, where there's not desires that are left unmet, but, but as a human being, you are, you are whole, you are satisfied. That's peace. Peace is ours in community or in friendships. Right, where there wouldn't be broken relationships all around us. So shalom or peace is a place of, of blessing. And I want you to know as human beings, that longing for peace is ours because we were created to enjoy shalom. We were created to enjoy peace and wholeness. In fact, it was ours it was ours in the garden, right? I mean, think of, the, the, think of the, the, the story of Genesis chapter one and two, and it creates shalom or peace on all sides, right? There is peace with creation, right? In terms of, in terms of working it and tending to it, there was peace between man and created order. There was peace between between man and woman, there there wasn't striving. There wasn't uh, there, there wasn't a history of abuse. It didn't it didn't exist. There was there was peace. So there was peace in community. There was peace also with God. That was our that was our garden identity. We were created in a world that was beautiful, and we were able to enjoy it. We were able to walk around in it and delight in it, and we were created for communion with God, and he would walk, and he would talk with us. And there was, there was unity, there was wholeness, and that was our garden identity. But then the story moves on, and the lie comes in, and sin came, and, and the peace that was the peace that was ours, the peace that was generated from security with God the Father in relationship with him, and then, and then out of that would flow relationship with each other and with all of creation, that was severed. That communion, that peace with God was gone. But what happened is, is once creation was broken, 
Once that longing was going unfulfilled, it doesn't mean the longing for peace goes away. We were created for peace, and so that longing stays present in us, right? That longing stays there, and so then you track the the Old Testament story of again and again, and and about a a little over a year ago, we did a study in the book of Judges, and we tracked that cycle of man trying to put back together what was broken, of man trying to secure for himself a sense of shalom. They were in search of, of peace, that longing for peace we feel is a longing that goes back all the way to our original design. And the pain we feel from the lack of peace goes back to the corruption of the harmony that was ours in our garden identity before the brokenness of the fall. So our life is fragmented, our world is broken, and the painful cycle of history repeats year After year, there's wars, there's rumors of wars, there's brokenness with created order, there's brokenness in relationship, and we feel the lack of peace. And from generation to generation, the story continues, and it hurts until one night. Until one night, all of that changed. Where the world was dark, Hope was coming. An angel was talking to some shepherds outside of Jerusalem about a baby that was born that very night. They were talking about one who would deliver, one who would rescue, one who would lead them back to the path of peace. And then suddenly, (laughs) and then suddenly with that single angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God gathered around and they were saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. This was the message that the angels were longing to shout. This was the truth that they had been waiting to see enacted. Like they... They had seen the glory of the garden. They had seen the delight of of God's peace that he had created. They had seen the destruction of the fall. They had seen how creation was broken from top to bottom. They saw it all. And they were longing for wholeness because they could also get a glimpse of the majesty and power of God and then the brokenness of all of creation. And they had been witnesses to man's cycle of sin and trying to find peace on his own. And so they had seen all of that and they had been watching for centuries. But now in Luke chapter two, these angels get to declare glory to the highest heaven and on earth Guys, we're getting back to it. On earth, peace. This was the truth they had been, they had been longing to share. And I imagine in their mind, it seemed like their best player on their team had been benched for a long time. And finally, he was off the bench and he was warming up. 
And they were like, he's gonna get, he's gonna get into the game. He's going into, the, everything is going to change. Jesus is getting in the game. And out of that joy, out of that delight that Jesus stepped onto planet earth in the flesh, they said, glory to God in the highest. And guess what, guys? Peace is on its way. So this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna spend time looking at the peace that is ours in the arrival of Jesus. Because when Jesus arrives, peace is offered to us. So this morning, we're gonna learn what it is that makes for peace. So before, I just have three points that I wanna make about peace, but before I do that, I wanna pause and just ask for God's grace on us. I mean, this message of peace is, is a long time in the making goes back to the very beginning. So let's ask the Father for help in understanding his movement to peace. So Father, there was a moment when Jesus was walking on the planet that he looked at people that he loved and he said, if only you knew the things that make for peace. If only you understood, if only you believed the things that would lead to peace, and he longed for that. And so, so God, I believe you look at Living Faith Alliance Church and you long for us to know the things that make for peace. You long for us to delight in them. You long for us to have hope in them. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes to to the places in our lives where we, uh, where we say no to the Father's offering of peace or the places in our lives where we say no to, to being an agent of peace. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us and lead us in the path of peace. In Jesus' name I pray and for his glory, amen. All right, so when peace arrives, here's my three points. When peace arrives, it shows us the path to peace. It's gonna teach us the pathway to peace. When peace arrives in Jesus, it establishes the foundation of our peace. And then when peace arrives, it creates agents, agents of peace. All right, so my first point, it shows us the path to peace. When the angels declare what they declare that night to the shepherds, when, when, they, when they declare glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, they, they weren't simply just celebrating. They were actually tipping God's hand and giving us insight into God's playbook. You know, if you watch the, the, the football game today, Right? You're going to see the coaches with their, you know, the big core, uh, card, and they'll have their, their playbook, right? the things that they would, they would call. So what we're getting when the angels make that declaration is, is God's playbook. And God's playbook is his strategic initiatives to get 
to peace. And so what the angels tell us is if there's going to be peace on earth, what has to happen? What's the first part? Is that there has to be glory to God in the highest. And when there's glory to God in the highest, when God is most glorified, when God is celebrated, when God is seen as glorious and beautiful because he is, the result of that is peace. That's exactly what was broken in the garden. Right? God wasn't seen as most glorious. God wasn't seen as the source of life. There was some other alternative. There was some other thing. And when that was believed in, when that other thing was glorified, everything broke. So the reason it works this way is because peace on earth is connected to the person of God. Let me show you this. Five times in Scripture, five times in the New Testament, God is called the God of peace. He's the, he's the God of peace. He's in charge of peace. He's the leader of peace. Peace on earth is connected to the person of God. Jesus said in John chapter 14, it's my peace that I give to you. And then Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells us that, that Jesus himself is our peace. So if we're going to get peace, first we've got to get God. The pathway to peace is not in your striving. The pathway to peace is not in your performing. The pathway to peace is not in the suppression of everything that gets on your nerves. The pathway to peace is God is the exaltation of God. So what this means is that the peace of God can never be separated from God himself. We can't have peace apart from God. If we want peace to rule in our lives, guess what? God must rule in our lives. Jesus must rule in our lives. The Holy Spirit must have command of our lives if we want to walk in peace. Of course, C.S. Lewis says it pretty clearly. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself. Why? Because it is not there. There is no such thing as happiness and peace apart from God. So God's purpose in you, I want you to know this, God's purpose in you on a daily basis is to make himself known to you in such a way that you go, wow, God. And as you go, wow, God, as you, as you recognize the power, the authority, the glory of God, guess what? You get peace. So how do we do that? How do we keep the peace, and the way we do that is keeping what the angels kept together, right? We can't pursue peace apart from God, and we can't pursue God apart from peace. So how do we keep together what the angels kept together? How do we, how do, we do that? Well, Paul gives us the answer in Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in Believing. When we have faith 
in the majesty of God, that's the pathway to peace. When we have faith in the greatness, the goodness, the glory of God, we have peace. When we live under the grace of God, we have peace. Peace is ours in believing. In other words, the way God promises, the way God's promises become real for us and produce peace in and through us is through believing. It's when we believe in him. He will keep us in perfect peace. When? When our minds are stayed fixed on him. So we learn the pathway to peace from the angels. The pathway to peace is simply this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. So then this leads us then to what is for us the the foundation of peace. This establishes the foundation of our peace. And as you, I'm sure, realize now, the most basic need that we have on planet earth is that we would be reconciled to God. The the most basic need we have is awakened in us because of Genesis chapter 3 when shalom was lost, when creation was fallen, and we were no longer reconciled to God, enjoying the blessing of relationship with the Father. That's our greatest point of need. So we have to go there first. And often what we do is we don't go to restored relationship with God first. We go to restored relationship with a person first or restored relationship um, with creation first, right? And if you've ever, uh, Brian talked about um, uh, his cousin Art, right? One of the things I've learned from Art in terms of discipleship is when you're discipling someone, right? What people typically want is they want things to be good. They wanna get things back to okay, to satisfactory. They wanna get rid of the pain, But discipleship is not getting things to good. Discipleship is about getting to God. And so oftentimes, God uses the tool of brokenness around us so that he could call us to relational intimacy with him. Yet what we typically do is we say, God, fix the things around us. And by doing that, often our prayer is, God, I want to bypass relationship with you. Just give me peace. But what we're saying is, give me peace at the cost of you being glorified. That's not the pathway to peace. So the foundation of peace then is, again, Paul gives it to us very clearly. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is ours through the work of Jesus. Jesus justifies us. Because of the justification that is ours in Jesus, we can have restored relationship to God. We can deal with the problem of Genesis chapter three created, where what was lost is now found and available to us because the enmity, the battle is over between us and God. The punishment that was due us is, is, 
is taken away from us, diverted from us, and placed on Jesus Christ. The wrath of God is poured out on him. That's the purpose of the cross. Now, when God turns to us, he doesn't have any anger left towards us because Jesus is our substitute. You see, we have been justified by faith. So we are now in restored relationship with the Father, and because of that, we have peace. Now listen, if we get relationship with God wrong, if we think relationship with God is based on something other than the justifying work of Jesus, then guess what? There's no peace. The foundation of our peace is what Jesus provides for us on the cross. Because if we think our salvation is by our works, well, that's a stressful way to live. Then every decision I make is pass-fail. And to pass is to be alive in God. To fail is to be back dead in my sins. I can't handle that. So it's not by my tradition, it's not by my baptism, it's not by my church membership, it's not by my, my piety or my sense of holiness, it's not because of my parents' faith, it's, it's because of the justifying work of Jesus, which is mine by faith alone. Because I believe it, God says, then my child, it's yours. So when we believe in Jesus as the one who rescues, as our savior, as the supreme treasure of our lives. That's why at Christmas we, we use language about a savior. For unto us a child is born in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Right, so, so at Christmas, the first Advent, when Jesus came as a baby, it was because he had a purpose to his life, which was to be our Savior. Matthew 1.21, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Isaiah 53.5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we are united to God. We are counted as his. We're in restored relationship, not because of our effort, but because of his. And listen to what just happened. What did I just say? We're united with God, not because of our effort, but because of his. And what did the angels tell us? Well, when God is glorified, we have peace. What happens at the cross? God saves us, we get peace. We don't save ourselves. That never leads to peace. We are justified by faith, and the result is peace. That's the angel's strategy. That's the path to peace. That's the foundation of any other aspect of peace that we can experience on planet Earth 
comes out of this truth that we're reconciled to God by faith through the justifying work of Jesus. Your most foundational need is to be reunited with the Father. So if you want to find fulfillment in life, if you want to be able to walk in wholeness, then something has to shift in your allegiance from you to the Father. Because when he is glorified, we get peace. That's the foundation of everything. Now, while this is amazing news, it's a life-changing reality, and we're gonna talk about the benefits, more of the benefits of it in a moment. But our reconciliation with God doesn't mean now everything's okay, right? I mean, our, our reconciliation with God at the beginning of this service, I said, wouldn't it be nice to have peace? And, and I could sense in this room, you're like, yes, that would be nice. So, so what happened? If I said that, that we get peace by God being glorified and Jesus has come and justified us, and now that's the foundation of our peace, like, what, why aren't we there yet? Well, I think of it this way. If you've ever been to a, a, a Phillies game and sat out in the outfield and you see a home run, right? You see it, you see the swing, you see the connection with the ball, and then in a couple of seconds, you hear the sound, the crack of the bat, and the ball is on its way. A home run has been hit, but the ball just hasn't left the park yet. It's still got a few more feet till, till it's over the fence. A home run's been hit, but it just hasn't fully arrived. Well, Jesus has come. The decisive battle has been won, but we haven't yet fully realized all the implications of what he has accomplished. Isaiah 11 gives us a picture of what is still yet to come. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. The child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You see, what we do is we live right now between the inaugural event, the beginning, the, the, the start of peace. We live between the start of peace and the fullness of peace that is to come. And we're not there yet. John gives us a vision of our future in Revelation chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his God and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. That's, that's where we're going. 
So right now, we live in the space between the initial work of Jesus to bring about peace, to reconcile us with God, and then God coming at the second advent to lead us to the fullness of peace that he has intended. And what I want you to see here again is is what the angels said is the pathway to peace, right? When God dwells with us, when we get to see God dwelling among us, he will be increasingly glorified and we will experience more and more peace. That's the way that it works with God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. So the question then is, what do we do in the meantime? We, we, we have like some aspects of peace that is ours through the work of Jesus being reconciled to God, yet we, we're not there yet. We're not living in the fullness of the peace that is to come. So what do we do now? Great question. Leads us to our third point. When peace arrives, it creates agents of peace. We are agents of peace. God has designed us to live out our days on planet Earth as agents of peace. People that as they walk, as they move, they partner with God in bringing peace on Earth. And you think, Greg, get out of here. Like, that is, that is way too lofty of a vision for my life. Like, that is huge. I can't bring peace on earth. Listen, you don't have to. Jesus is going to do that. But he's inviting you in your little corner of the planet, in your little moments of relationship, that you get to be an agent of peace that you get to bring a sense of shalom at least for this moment, where someone gets to experience the glory of God and peace on earth through you in a little, in a little moment, in a little interaction. That's why Galatians 5 says that one of the fruits of the Spirit Love, joy, peace. It's evidence of God dwelling in us is that we would be people characterized by peace. And then all throughout the New Testament, peace is the goal of Christians dealing with each other. Uh, Romans 12, 18, Paul says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. To the best of your ability, be an agent of peace. And you say, how can I do that? Well, the way you can do that is by leaning into the foundation of peace. God did it for you. God was willing to overlook your sin God was willing to overlook your rebellion. So as much as it depends on you, live peaceably. Like, stop being the bringer of pain and justice for all. That's not your job description. As much as lies within you, live peaceably with all. Give yourself to live at peace. 
God gave himself to live at peace with you. You have everything you need. So, I know that over this next week, a lot of you are going to have gatherings with people that you love, gatherings with people that you're forced to love and would rather not spend time with. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And some of you are going to experience old pain this week that's going to come back like a wave because maybe you've been avoiding that person for a little while and now you can't avoid them any longer. Right? So you're going to have some old pain. Some of you are going to experience some new pain in relationship. It's going, it's going to happen. But I want to invite you to, to consider that God is putting you in that relationship so that you could be an agent to peace. You might say, well, how, how are we agents of peace? What are you talking about? Well, 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So here's how I think this works. You've been reconciled to God. God dwells in you. Now the spirit of God lives inside of you. You're gonna walk into little moments where it's not reconciled to God, right? That's the, the lack of peace. There's no wholeness. There's strife. There's friction. So in that moment, what, what's the pathway to peace? Well, we know the, found, the pathway to peace is God being glorified. So in that moment of strife, I, I want you to ask this question. How can God be glorified here? Where, where is God in this moment? And I know that sounds simple, but I also know as human beings, we don't ask the question, right? We just respond to the conflict in front of us with the flesh that's inside of us. So when the conflict comes, pause and say, God, how can you be glorified here? Where is God in this? I'm an agent of, uh, I'm an agent of peace. How can I act in such a way that exalts God because I know the pathway to peace means God gets exalted, we get peace. And you can do that in those little moments. You can ask, what is, what is God doing here? And then you can get in on the agenda of exalting God instead of the agenda of winning your stupid, petty argument. And so often... And those stupid, petty arguments seem really big at the time. I know. But listen, I'm saying they're stupid and petty not because they're not important. I'm saying they're stupid and petty in light of the glory and fame of God. Right? Like you have the opportunity to be thinking of, to be attentive to the voice of God in that moment. So that's us living as agents of peace. And as agents of peace, we are agents of reconciliation. I, I told you at the beginning, I had four stories this week where I just got to see glimpses of people acting as agents of peace. I told you about uh, a girl named Mandy. Uh, her last name is Harvey. By the way, you can look her up. 
So she had this physical illness, and as she lost her hearing, she actually was able to figure out, I don't know how this worked, but she would vocalize, and she would then feel the vibrations of her vocalization, and then she was able to map that somehow. So even though she couldn't hear, she has retained the ability to sing and sing beautifully by training herself to understand the the vibrations and understand what vibration matches with what pitch. And she went on to um, America's Got Talent. And so she stood in front of the judges and she said her goal was not to win America's Got Talent. Her goal was to raise awareness for the deaf community, to bring those that had been isolated more to the forefront. So she got, if you've ever watched the show, she got the golden buzzer for Simon Cowell. And, you know, so she got into the, into the finals. And so as she told her story, though, she told her story about facing adversity. She told her story about needing a family around her to, to love her well so that she could, she could persevere. And that the way that she persevered was, was a thousand steps of learning to trust God. And that led her to an experience of peace. Nothing like what she had anticipated her life would be about, right? But as she walked by faith, and she was a woman of faith, as she walked by faith, her experience led her to peace. I, I was able to listen to her tell her story at an event I was at, I think it was Wednesday morning. And as she's talking, and she's telling her story, and everybody's tuned in, and I'm seeing there's a guy that's in the background, and he's just holding this guitar or mandolin thing, and just standing there. I'm like, oh, man, it's a bummer to be the sound guy. Like, you got to just stand up there for 20 minutes and, you know, hold the guitar for this girl as she's telling her story. And then kind of absentmindedly, she's like, oh, where's where's my guitar? Where's my mandolin? Oh, oh, thanks, Dad. And I realized the man that had, stand, had been standing there was her dad. And I thought, that's not a bummer for her dad. Her dad is loving every minute of this. Because what he had done, right, what he had done was he had, and I talked to him afterwards, he was a dad of four, and what he had done is tracked with his daughter from surgery to surgery He kept leading, he kept loving, and he kept putting himself in a position, right, to think, how can can I make her successful in what she's doing right now? How, How can I support her through her struggle? And he got close, and he figured it out, and sometimes it means standing there with a guitar for 20 minutes in front of a bunch of people. And that was his joy. That was his, that was his peace, I told you about a foster family that I knew. And my friend, after receiving this foster child, sent me a picture. And it was this little girl with, um, with their children on the floor in their PJs just playing together. I don't know about you, but little kids in PJs, that's peace. Right? You wake up in a day, you get your PJs on, you get to play, you get to hang out. Right? That's them enjoying peace. And I thought, what a profound picture of someone in vulnerability now experiencing just, and I don't know for how long, but for a little while, 
that child is experiencing shalom. That child is getting to taste something of wholeness because I have a friend who is learning what it means to exalt God as father and as he exalt God as he's exalting God as father he's expanding the umbrella of his own fatherhood and extending that to a child that's vulnerable glory to God in the highest and on earth peace that's a that's an agent of peace let me tell you my last story as I told you, I saw a friend that had uh, thought they were following God and were, were facing some, some significant disappointment. And I just happened to walk past them. Didn't know that they were there. Uh, I hadn't seen them. I was in a public place. And all of a sudden, they're like, Pastor Greg. And then they started crying, which sometimes I had that effect on people. So they started crying and they started to share with me what was going on. And I mean, their story paralleled so closely with, with some of my own life experience. And I was simply able to, to bring another friend into the conversation. And we, we just celebrated the glory of God. We didn't, we didn't fix it. The problem was still there. But there was a moment of of peace, and I was able to participate in God bringing peace as in that moment of disappointment and frustration, God was glorified. And then a little moment of peace happened. I'm telling you stories. These are just four stories from my week, right? And I know this room is full of agents of peace. You, you know what I'm talking about. And so I want to encourage you as you go through your Christmas week, say, oh, I, part of what Jesus has done, part of what Jesus has done is me is he's made me an agent of peace. How can I bring about peace in this moment? Just participate in it. And some of you are hearing this maybe for the first time, that God has reconciled you to himself Right? And in reconciling you to himself, he's now inviting you to be an agent of reconciliation. He's making peace with God so that you can be an agent of peace on planet Earth. So my friend Teresa is going to come up here, and she's going to um, lead you in uh, the reading of a passage of Scripture. Uh, and then Charlie and his team is going to lead you uh, in a song and what I want to do is give you the opportunity to respond to God by putting scripture on your tongue that you get to speak that is about peace, giving you songs that you get to sing which are about glory to God. And the pathway's simple, same as what the angels said. We give glory to God and on earth, on earth peace. So would you please stand up and would you join Teresa uh, as she reads. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Let's read the word of God together. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. 
for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. You have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running lose mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin king the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt Church. Hey. 